0: From Sin City, it's the Socks and Pinstripes Podcast! And now, here's the star of the show, Diet Dr. Griffin! The AL and NL Central this is Diet Dr. Griffin back with another episode of the Socks and Trice podcast. We've made it to episode 10, and we got a little bit of housekeeping to do here. Me uh, really would like it if you would like, rate, and subscribe to the show. Uh, it would really, really help out, get more people to listen to it. I've also been putting um, archived episodes of the show, including the most recent ones, on YouTube. It'll be under Diet Dr. Griffin, along with some other stuff that I recorded back during the pandemic, which was an interesting time for me. And with that out of the way, let's get started with the analysis of the AL and the NL Central. And let's start with the AL Central, which, in my opinion, is the worst division in baseball. Uh, we'll start at the bottom. I think the White Sox are the worst team in the division. They've been slowly selling pieces from last season, starting with Lucas G. Lito and some bullpen arms. They let starters go like Lance Lynn, which... Honestly, isn't really a big shock, but they also let Liam Hendricks go. And for whatever reason, this team has just underperformed with the core players that it has. It has had some really talented guys on there, but they've just, for whatever reason, never been able to put it all together. I also get the feeling that this is the most likely team in the division to just start selling guys in the middle of this season, including Dylan Cease, who's probably their most valuable asset. There were a number of trade rumors with him during this offseason, but nothing came to fruition. I have a feeling that may change at the trading deadline this year. Now, the next two teams, I don't think there's a whole lot of separation between them. But I am going to go with number four with the Kansas City Royals. And this may be a bit of a surprise because they actually have gone out of their way to make a few moves this offseason. I'm just not buying that it's going to be successful. Seth Lugo, for example, has only had one full season as a starter under his belt, and that was last season with the Padres. His teammate with the Padres, Michael Waka Waka Waka, also signed with the Royals. And Waka has been a guy who has outperformed his stats for the past couple of seasons. Like His ERA should be a full run higher than it is. And uh, I'm just, I'm not buying it. There's not enough there offensively with this team either, outside of Bobby Witt Jr., who is an absolute stud. I'm just I'm skeptical this team is gonna do a whole lot this year. Although I think they are definitely going to try, and there's upside there for the future. I'm just not seeing much of it this year. At number three, we have the Detroit Tigers. Now, one of the big reasons I think that the Tigers have a better shot than the Royals is because they have one of the most offensive suppressing ballparks in baseball, and they have the ability with their starting pitchers to suppress the opponent's offense, much like what the Baltimore Orioles have done. I like the moves that they've made this offseason, picking up Kenta Maeda, and Jack Flaherty, I think those moves could work out well for them, and they also have a bona fide ace at the top of the staff in Tarek Skubal, Skubal doobie-doo as I like to call him. I think Scoobal could be a future Cy Young Award winner, and he was excellent during the second half after recovering from injury. The Tigers also have their own budding superstar in former number one overall pick, Spencer Torkelson, who started breaking out last year, and he's got more upside to go at first base. It's hard for me to put my finger on it, but I just get a feeling that Detroit is going to be a little bit better than the Royals this year, even though they're both very similar ball clubs in terms of what I'm projecting for them. At number two, we have the Minnesota Twinkies. These guys have a pretty solid rotation, even though they lost Sonny Gray in the offseason to the Cardinals, who we'll be talking about later. Pablo Lopez, has though, established himself as a consistent top-of-the-rotation pitcher, and Bailey Ober and Joe Ryan are solid two and three in that group. They have a solid closer in Johan Duran, and their lineup is more of the the sum-of-the-parts group with a lot of boom-or-bust potential with injury candidates like Carlos Correa, Royce Lewis, and Byron Buxton, all of whom are very talented guys but are prone to missing time. And at number one, I have the Cleveland Guardians. These guys have the best rotation in the division. They have youngsters in Gavin Wilson and Tanner Bybee who were set to take steps forward. They have Shane Bieber as their veteran at the top of the rotation. If they can get Tristan McKenzie to come back, they can have a real viable weapon there. They have their own superstar in Jose Ramirez. And although their lineup was one of the worst offensively last season, I think they're going to have better luck this year with the two Naylor brothers ready to step forward in Bo and Josh Naylor. They also have Steven Kwan at the top, who is a pretty effective singles hitter, kind of filling that Michael Brantley role, and they play pretty good defense as well. They also have one of the best closers in baseball, Emmanuel Classe, closing the games for them. And I think they have the best shot of any team making the playoffs. Although I don't have particularly high hopes for any team in this division. But somebody's going to make the playoffs in this division because that's the rules. It's time for the NL Central, and at the bottom, and this may also come as a surprise to many, but I think that the worst team in the division is the Milwaukee Brewers. They have gone on to a full-on fire sale mode. Even though they brought Brandon Woodruff back, he's hurt all season, likely not going to pitch. They traded Corbin Burns away. I get the feeling that they're going to trade more of their pieces that are going to be free agents soon, like Willie Adamas. I also think all-star closer Devin Williams is going to be gone at the deadline as well to a contender, much like Josh Hader was when he was nearing free agency. This team just screams rebuilding, and I get the feeling they're going to trade more guys away. I did like that they were able to sign Jackson Churios, their top prospect, and he's going to be making an impact this year. I'm just not confident that they're going to keep a lot of their players that are there and they're going to be selling by the deadline. At number four, we have the Pittsburgh Pirates. This is a team that is trending in the right direction, but they're probably a good two to three years away from contending. They have a solid nucleus of players designed to long-term deals like Cabrian Hayes, Brian Reynolds, and Mitch Keller. They just need some more time, and their prospects like Henry Davis and Paul Skeens are going to need to make impacts. O'Neill Cruz is a guy who I think is going to return to form and be a potential breakout after missing most of last season with an ankle injury. Their rotation is a bunch of innings eaters, uh, Marco Gonzalez-type performers. At number three in the division, we have the St. Louis Cardinals. This is a team that's usually near the top, but they have fallen off hard after the retirement of Yadier Molina. I get the feeling that he was masking much of the weaknesses in the pitching staff. And even though they went out and grabbed Wilson Contreras from the Cubs, it just didn't really work out. Their manager also is a bit of a knucklehead and did not use the back of the bullpen very well. This is a veteran team, and it just makes you wonder if they've reached the limit of what they can do. Guys like Nolan Arenado and... And Paul Goldschmidt aren't getting any younger. And they're expecting big contributions from one of the oldest pitching staffs in baseball, including Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, and Miles Mikolas. Also Kyle Gibson. He's not a spring chicken either. At number two, we have the Chicago Cubs, who recently re-signed Cody Bellinger to a three-year $80 million contract. Certainly not what he was looking for. But prior to this past season, he was one of the worst performers in baseball during the 2021-2022 seasons, which led the Dodgers to just straight-up non-tender him before this past season. The Cubs have a solid lineup and a solid rotation, and they went out and got Shota Imanaga, as their big free agent pitching acquisition. This team would have been in the playoffs last year had they not choked at the end, and they have a better opportunity at making it this year with the moves that they've made. Kyle Hendricks seemed to return to form after coming back from injury, and they have an all-around solid team that should be good to go. And that leaves the Cincinnati Reds at the top of the heap in the NL Central. And I think honestly that any of the top three teams have a legitimate shot at winning the division if things line up correctly. And I do think that there could be a wild card team coming from this division as well. The Cincinnati Reds have a young, young core of talented hitters that are all going to start coming into their own. Ellie de La Cruz, Matt McClain, Christian Encarnación Strand, among others. They also have a young rotation, and they went out and got Frankie Montes and Nick Martinez to help shore up the pitching depth. I'm normally skeptical of young teams putting it together, but I just get the feeling that these guys have enough offensive firepower from being able to hit at Great American Ballpark, which is the best home run hitting park in the game. The Thunder in the lineup, they're always going to be there. And Jameer Candelario could have a big season playing for these guys, their big free agent acquisition. So that is my assessment of the two central divisions, and we will see how those go. I will likely be wrong because these things are very, very hard to predict. And now it's time to circle back to the free agency moves of the week. Circling back to Cody Bellinger's contract, his deal is structured as three single-year contracts. First one's $30 million, the second one is $30 million, and then the third one is at $20 million. If he has a season like he did this past year, he will likely opt out and take another stab at getting the big, big contract. And he may have a better shot at doing so, but at least he has insurance if he underperforms and plays like he did in 2021 and 2022. Kike Hernandez signed a one-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was traded back there from Boston during the middle of the season. He's a glue guy, a good teammate and a versatile player. You can play both in the infield and the outfield. Just a solid guy through and through for that Dodgers team. To make room for Kike, the Dodgers traded Manuel Margot to the Twinkies for Noah Miller, an infield prospect. Margot has a good combination of speed and power and should be one of those no-name hitters that will help out the Twins this season. Solid player. The Cardinals did their thing, and they grabbed another old player in Brandon Crawford, shortstop who has spent his entire career with the San Francisco Giants. He's a good clubhouse guy. I'm not sure what he has left in the tank at this point, but they needed a shortstop after moving on from Paul DeYoung, and Tommy Edmonds has some injury issues. The Orioles signed Colton Wong, who may not even make the team, as well as the Red Sox, who signed CJ Crone. a similar situation there. There's just not a lot going on for the players right now, especially the Boris types, and it's really getting nerve-wracking for them. Boris, during his press conference for Cody Bellinger, made inclinations of market irregularities, which is like code word for teams colluding against signing his players. And I've heard grumblings that they may file, the players union may file a grievance during this off season for the owners not spending money, even though that they are making a lot of money more so than usual. I doubt that it's going to go anywhere, but it should set the table for the CBA's negotiations that will be coming up in the next couple of years. And that does it for the show today. We will be talking about the AL and NL West divisions next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.